shoulder. What if that guy did this to your car? What guy? The clown? Do you really think someone slashed my tires? Well, he knows this is your car. He saw us getting into it earlier. Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. And I am one of your intrepid hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this cinematic expedition, as always, is Adam Walker. Adam, I'm, I'm back from vacation, baby. I see. Are you... Uh, Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda, Bahamas, come on, pretty mama. Back from Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell me that you were back from Kokomo, Indiana, which that song is about. <laughs> yes. Key Largo Montego, baby, why don't we go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I went to Minneapolis. That's why we took... Uh, last week off and on my way back i stopped in milwaukee and dragged my family through an unofficial Dahmer tour that they were not stoked on going on my wife had to take lots of pictures of me outside of people's houses and was very uncomfortable with it but it, i've had a fucking great time yeah that sounds amazing it was wonderful i went to where the apartment complex was uh demolished all the blue barrel mayhem uh, went to the Ambassador Hotel where he killed his his first victim in Milwaukee. Went to his grandmother's house. Uh, tried to track down Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. That's what I was, success. I was. Yeah, I was wondering if you found the chocolate factory. I did not. Once I realized that, I don't think I, I wanted to go if I could buy a piece of like Ambrosia chocolate. Um, and I, I found out it's just like a fucking giant like warehouse chocolate warehouse so i i didn't end up going over there but hit up hit up most of the uh, most of the spots it was delightful 
Nice. Well, so do you feel refreshed, reinvigorated? I do. Ready, ready to get back on the pod and and talk about some some mayhem, especially for tonight's episode. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to entitle this episode Pat's Revenge. You want to know why? Because <laughs> I hope you fucking hated it. <laughs> so, yeah, I put you through the slog of technically three movies this, this season that you were either lukewarm to uh, absolutely vilifying on the mic. So tonight I feel like you got me back. I wasn't Kapow. trying. No, I know you weren't. I know you weren't. But yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this for reasons different than you, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're talking about (laughs) Terrifier um, from (laughs) it's got a weird release date. Uh, It's like right around what, 2016, 2013? What the fuck? Dude, I was so yeah, I was so confused about what I was supposed to watch because there's the Terrifier short that came out in 2011. There's the Hollow's Eve anthology. There's this. Then there's the slated sequel. So there's all these things that have that stupid fucking clown face on it that I was like, which one of these am I supposed to watch? Yeah, I understood after the fact why you were confused. Um, but we're talking about the full length uh, Terrifier from 2016. Um for anyone who's following along. Um, and it it's a funny little movie. Um, <laughs> I would say off the top, uh, Terrifier isn't reinventing the wheel by any means. Um, it leans in hard on uh, traditional slasher tropes. But it also has a great sense of its own identity. So it knows what it is and it knows what it isn't. And it it plays to its own strengths, which is kind of why I recommended it. Because there's not a lot of slashers even being made, um, you know, currently uh, for, for multitudes of reasons. But I like that it's just a straightforward slasher. There's no twists or big names in it or anything like that. It is a low budget affair um and you know i i subsequent viewings kind of take it out of it i think the shock value is in the first viewing so yeah every time i watch this um i i grow less and less interested <laughs> in it um but i will say that the very first time i i watched it uh i did like it a, a great deal more than i liked it upon upon this viewing but um i'll let you have the mic for your initial thoughts mm. <laughs> oh buddy so you know i went into this just skeptical from the jump because if there is one trope that i cannot stand in movies it's the scary creepy clown thing because it just it is besotted with so much bad so many bad cliches and it's it's not a well-worn trope to be utilized so yeah i i just was like okay dude you know i'm gonna go into this with an open mind as open as i can 
So I tried to clear any of my like prejudgments or, you know, any sort of preconceived ideas I had about this before I went into it. I was like, okay, it's not going to be a typical scary, shitty clown movie. So, yeah. I and really it didn't I, help. I, that didn't help. <laughs> it didn't do anything. Well, I'm not going to here. I'm not going to completely say that. I think it did help actually. So, um I kind of had vaguely heard of this movie before. The thing with me is as we've talked plenty of times is, you know, when it comes to any horror that's been made post 2000s, especially in the last decade, I'm real picky, real picky. Most of the time when when I'm scrolling through, you know, any streaming channel like Shutter or whatever to watch a movie, if the date is anywhere approaching now, I'm usually like, I don't care. I'll just give me anything that was made 30 to 40 years before this. I'll gobble it up. It doesn't matter. But at this point, me no care. So... That was my initial kind of going into this. But again, for your sake, I went into it with as as clear of a mind as I could. So that was that's what I'm going to say. Well, um, to get into the actual uh, funding and and that sort of stuff, um, this is our first crowdfunded movie being OK, a more modern movie. Um, and I believe it's also our first direct to video release. Okay. Um, so I have no box office, um, numbers for you. Yeah. The initial, I was about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I could not tell how much this made through it. It got super popular when it got on Netflix. Um, okay. and everyone had access to it. He, uh, the, the director, um, Damien Leone, he started an Indiegogo campaign and raised roughly a hundred thousand dollars. So this this had a budget of about a hundred thou. Again, have no idea what it made being you know getting on Netflix and and people renting it uh, uh, through different platforms. I the, there's no numbers for any of that in terms of the critical response. Um, as you could as you could imagine, it's kind <laughs> of all over the place. So a lot right. of people kind of praised its subtext free thrill and kill kind of uh <laughs> ride mm-hmm. um and then other people thought it was uh, a little too simple a little too formulaic uh a little boring um you know and the gore factor obviously um turned off uh, <laughs> a number of people who um maybe aren't accustomed to a real fucking like I said, thrill and kill kind of ride because it is uh, a set them up and knock them down style horror movie where everyone is just going to just kind of gets it in pretty violent fashion. Yeah. Um, so that kind of rounds out money and reviews. Did you have anything to add to that? Well, I actually I had read that the budget was 800,000. So maybe that was a typo. But yeah, it definitely was because the and I'll get into this in the wiki wormhole, but the second one also was crowdfunded and it got um, it's nearly twice the budget of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't imagine that with 
800,000. It still looked like this. <laughs> that would have fucking hoped not. Where was all yeah. the money going? Right. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing I didn't even think about because I was just kind of like, you know, whatever, typing the info in as I was like watching and didn't even think about how that number seems a little steep for the production of this movie. <laughs> and so, on the Wikipedia, it says the budget is 100,000. And I tried yeah. to find the Indiegogo campaign, but the page had has obviously closed since then. This is a number of years ago. So, um, um go well, ahead. I will say, I was going to say, um, if you have anything else to add that, that there was one particular poll quote that I would yeah, put up the top that kind of in certain ways sums up how I felt about this. And it was from, uh, Saul Harris of Starburst, even a six out of 10, and he said, presented as something of a throwback to horror B-movies of the 80s, Terrifier has far more style, both visually and audibly, than average film of its nature. It's a surprisingly nice-looking film for a movie about a clown chopping people into pieces. So, yes, I will say, if anything, you know, I feel like that's a nice summation of the movie without us going into greater detail, which we will hear presently yeah and that's actually um perfect because to segue into the the plot description uh it's basically two girls are stalked uh after leaving like a halloween party by a poliachi looking motherfucker <laughs> named <laughs> art the clown uh who one year previous had a similar massacre on halloween night so it's it's very much so like a Michael's coming back to town. <laughs> <It's Right>. Halloween. <laughs> One of those. Um, not not a great deal of depth. Uh, no, don't need to know a backstory on anybody um, to kind of enjoy it. Um, anything else we want to get into before we get into it? I'm ready to clown around, buddy. Let's get clowning. All right. <laughs> Aruba, Jamaica, who I want to take. If that's the so, is that good? Like coming back from vacation music? That's not good coming. That's like when you're on vacation. What's like a good coming back from vacation song? Do they uh, all want a living? Of course they fucking do. <laughs> I'm back from vacation, baby. Yeah, fucking paycheck. All right. Having said that. The good, the bad, and the questionable. The good. Um, I think we can both agree. The practical, the practical effects in this are the shining beacon of the film. And the main reason I would ever consistently return to this, uh, specifically, Dawn getting sawed in half is fucking phenomenal. It's absolutely, it's, uh, and it's uh, it's unexpected because I think up to that point you think you you're in for one thing, and then it kind of shifts into a brutally more diverse movie from there like uh you don't see anyone getting it that repulsively up to that point so that yeah. that's a real fucking eye opener but even like the old boy like getting decapitated and uh 
even the stuff that happens off camera that we see the final results of like the pizza parlor guy getting like turned into a jack-o'-lantern or whatever like it's all it's all really solid practical effects used throughout um nary a cgi sequence to uh to be found actually there's one which is in the my wiki wormhole but i thought right. that you specifically would really be giddy over the effects in this Absolutely. hundred percent. That is the most redeeming aspect of this movie is the fact that you can tell that, uh, Leon, that's his name, right? The director. Damien Leon. Yeah. Damien Leon. So he has a background in practical effects. You can tell that obviously his strong suit is utilizing his skills in that department, but nowhere else for that matter. So, um, yeah, I mean, that uh Ed Gein bisecting uh bisecting the cadaver uh sequence it's is brutal. is real brutal and I was like, whoa. Um so yeah, that's great. Uh, I can't say enough about how good the practical effects are in this movie. And that definitely put this up a couple notches more than I probably would have given it. My wife had to like cross her legs during that scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, like it's, a, it's real rough. It, it's a, uh, you know, just you think of you think of the female slit, and mm. you think, boy, nothing worse than just doing some old timey lumberjacking down that thing <laughs> with that. Yeah, just that rust. For one, you know that there's no way that no. he's able to actually do that. But just yes. The thought of... Yes, excuse me, Art, did you uh, sanitize that saw? (laughs) That rusty-ass backwoods fucking wood-chopping, wood-cabin saw that he just grinds that lady in half with. Which I guess you were, like, asked early on, uh, like, what's in the bag? Because he's, like, carrying around a trash bag. And I guess it's just, like, his implements of mayhem. Which Um, he just carries around. Which is weird because... I mean, I'm I'm assuming it implies that he doesn't necessarily have a headquarters. He just no, very transient. Yeah, he's transient. So he essentially carries his implements around town until he finds the uh, the designated spot to dispatch his victims. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. In terms of scary clown bullshit, um, <laughs> I would put Art in my top three like scary clowns aesthetically speaking i really like the way his makeup is done like this polyachi uh sad clown vibe yeah. um i would put like it'd be like gacy as pogo and then like curry as as pennywise and then and then art like i don't think there's like a third scary clown that i could think of um in terms of like aesthetically loving the their their makeup choices. I think he would be third. Um, I'm not saying this movie is up. Obviously Gacy's not even a fucking, he's just a real ass person. But um, in terms of clowns in pop culture, this is top three for me. I I love, it it is a terrifying getup to me. Yeah. Man, that's another thing that I will, I will give it credit. Great He's got like a weird crooked, crooked dick nose too. Like that's always fucking terrifying. I I, I hate a crooked dick nose. Yeah, and then the actor uh, uh, David Howard Thornton that plays him. I think he did, he did a really good job. You know, before I you know obviously get too much into it later down the end of the end of the pod. You know the <laughs> the acting overall is is you know 
pretty questionable, but he is a he is the redemptive part of the cast and in, in, in those terms as well. So yeah, I like um I he he has the best performance. It's not even close. But right. I surprisingly think Mike the Exterminator is like right up there. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like yeah. him that and Mike dude for does sure. a good job. Yeah. No, I agree. Both of them. I was actually just saying that earlier today when I was on the shitter having mm. my thoughts. I was Doing mulling your thoughts, it over yeah. about the movie. I was like, hmm, having some final, you know, recap in my brain. But yeah, I was like, you know what? The dude that played Mike is pretty cool too. I, I you know. I, I actually was genuinely uh, upset. Yes, that's what I was about off. to say. I was like, I was gunning for him to make it out of there. I, I like, really like <laughs> Mike. Like, I, it's the only person in this movie that they build any sort of pathos for that right. you're like really cheering for um, yep. at any point. Like, even the two, like, you got Tara and Dawn, like, neither one of them. Dawn, when she's getting sawed in half, you don't even feel anything other than like it's grotesque, but like you don't care that she's dying. You don't even care when Tara dies. It's a strange film that has that is like without a final girl. I was trying to think of this in like um, in just kind of like astute uh, college terms, like just trying to think of the psyche of this movie. how it doesn't have a final girl well, or if it does, the final girl torch is passed to the sister, but um, yeah, so it does, but it kind of like turns the final girl thing on its head a little bit. Uh, yeah, which, neither one of them show the qualities of, of a final girl. Really? They both are kind of there for, to be slabs of meat. <laughs> yeah. And you know, a, a phrase we like to use a lot is, uh, before we step on our own dicks, you know, I don't want to talk too much about those parts of the cast because I'll reserve that for another part. Yeah, sure. Um, but I will say that, um, yeah, this movie definitely it, it does justice uh, to the old style of slashers and leaning into the misogyny. <laughs> it is. I think the misogyny is the most throwback part of it. Like, yeah, right. like when you saw Don, you're like, can't wait to see those tits later. <laughs> Yeah, that and can't wait to see this bitch die is what I put. A little bit of both. Yeah, she's like out of uh, Return of Michael Myers. Like, uh, yes. who was the, the girl we were talking about that was fucking unendingly annoying? Yeah. Um, I think it's either in Return or Revenge or whatever. Um, yeah, it's got a similar Halloween vibe where it's like bimbos in fucking Wizard of Oz costumes being annoying and drunk. It's yep, a, it's a thread for through both of them. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I also like that Art remains silent throughout. Like that's actually a really smart choice, especially mm-hmm. when he's getting like stabbed and beaten shit. Like that's really cool when he when he's getting stabbed and doesn't make like a fucking peep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that adds another element of just like says he done ha- does he not have vocal cords is he so committed to this role he's like <laughs> unable to feel pain uh, or at least won't even show it if he can i i love that and i love that he they never break from that yeah i like that as well and finally i like the like labyrinthian apartment complex that this is kind of set in i think it it kind of settles there uh it it builds up to that point um but once they get there the whole film is in the in this weird um apartment complex um and i like that 
I like that overall setting. I think it's a it's a smart setting instead of running around whatever college town they're in. Um, I think it's it, it kind of contains all the characters nicely and is kind of like claustrophobic in a in a in a good way that that benefits the movie. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, what I was going to say too, as far as um, things that I did like, you know, because clearly. This is one of those movies that, you know, it definitely wears its influences on its sleeve. But I don't know if you recognize this, but the montage there at the beginning where Art's assembling his implements of death is a straight up homage to the beginning of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I didn't I didn't make the connection. Uh, that yeah. That's really cool. I never I, I, I feel like that was a pretty pretty clear one i'm not sure if that was intended but you know what i'm talking about though where it shows in the beginning of nightmare on elm street where you know you just see freddie what you assume is freddie you know creating yeah, like his, sharpening the the glove yeah the claws on the glove yeah in a boiler room <laughs> yeah yeah i was very lo- similar i always loved that intro so much but uh, it's, a, it's a good one and i didn't i didn't pick up on uh, the homage but you're totally right um what I wanted to say also, as far as because you kind of touched upon this, there's certain aspects that make this. I mean, it is straight up a slasher, but there's certain atypical aspects um, in terms of slasher tropes. Is um, the killer using a, a handgun? You never see that. Yeah, him just being like, "Fuck it." He had it the whole time, but he was right. like, he only uses it, I guess, if he gets into like a real pickle. Yeah, because that's the whole, you know, if you want to psychoanalyze serial killers um, and why they kill the way they do is because they they're looking to submit their victims in a way that's definitely more personal. They want to have like that contact with them. So that's why they utilize things like binding and, you know, torturing and, you know, using close you know, close quarter type of, you know, techniques and knives. Phallic imagery. Right. They don't, they don't, other than like, say like Son of Sam, who, you know, he, or, well, I mean, okay, so the Zodiac Killer, even to a certain degree, because he did shoot his victims, but he also would, you know, use knives and whatever. So that's the thing. It's like the, the, the more, um, grotesque, serial killers of our time they always utilized you know knives and sharp implements and things like that and you know so that was interesting to me that you know he just pulls out a gun and just shoots homegirl yeah yeah it's really wild because but hey definitely not expecting he's pragmatic i guess that's true that that's why he got the bag of stuff (laughs) you never you never know um yeah, I mean, that's mostly my goods. You know, I didn't have, like, they were they were pretty few and far between. Um, well, yeah, homegirl's uh, titties were nice, too. So Again, got there's to- a really good uh, areola to boob <laughs> ratio going on. Um, areola to nipple ratio, too. Yeah, it's very I did, yeah. nice. I did like also, because I had an uh, originally as one of my questions is when he had her tied up. I was like, why did he leave her underwear on? And I was like, oh. And then, of course, there was the dramatic ripping away of her panties. Yeah, so she must like, have had tearaway underwear, like uh, <laughs> like Michael Jordan in his sweats before a game. Just tear that, tear those puppies right off. 
<laughs> yeah. So that answered my question pretty quickly. Well, we can move on to the bad and I'll let you have the floor then. <laughs> the script is fucking terrible. <laughs> There's long sequences of dialogue that um, are just are hard to sit through. Yeah, really poorly written. And, and a lot of the onus of that, of course, lies on, on the two, uh, the heroines of the of the movie. Particularly, like, you know, between the two of them, Tara is fairly, you know, you can sympathize with her to a very small degree. But Dawn, holy fuck. Like, yeah, they, you know, they just set her up, obviously. Like, I get it. They set her up to be like completely insufferable. But even some of like the the use of the dialogue is just like, what? Who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> what kind of child wrote this this dialogue? Um, One of the worst ones is the cat lady talking to Mike the Exterminator and trying to tell him that there's somebody murdering people in the basement, and it just like goes on for. It's got to be like a minute and a half, but it feels like fifteen minutes. Uh, it's just like a really bad back and forth. And Mike, the exterminator is great. And he, he can't even like carry that scene. He's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, right. it's just so she, and she's actually in my bad. The crazy cat mm. lady is so unnecessary. And she's yep. like a, they're almost trying too hard to be like a throwback. Cause she's like akin to like Ralph from Friday the yep. 13th, like the crazy old soothsayer type, yep. but like take her out of the movie and you have, the same movie like she didn't yep. affect the fucking movie at all other than to be like what's this creepy transient woman doing in the apartment it's, it's to ill effect yeah 100 percent on that and also not even a convincing crazy bag cat lady no, like she's that, not she even just, like dirty she's just no. like <laughs> she just looks like a she just looks like a kind of tired mom yeah, she does. She did. She just had like kind of like Fruit Loops in her hair, which is like, I just put the kid down. For, I just need a little bit of sleep. Can you keep it down in here? But she didn't come off as like talking to a, a doll as if it's like her fucking child or whatever. Like it, it did not fit. The casting on that was, was terrible. Plus the costume designing and just oh. making her look like she was supposed to be portrayed. I, I didn't. She's the worst, absolute worst part of this movie. Yeah. She was actually dressed quite nicely. (laughs) Yeah, that's fucking hobo chic now. Like, it's not... (laughs) She could have walked the runway in that outfit. (laughs) Just had a guitar fall on me. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Tough tough crowd. (laughs) Yeah, bag lady, uh, unconvincing, 100%. Did not need her. No thank you. Um, what else? Um, I will say that the opening sequence, the vi- not not the montage oh, yes. that you spoke of, but the actual yes. opening sequence of the the television interview is so bad that it makes so me not want to watch the rest of the movie. It did it the first time; it almost tricked me. I didn't want to mm-hmm. watch it because I was like, "Nope, I'm out." And then I yep. revisited it, uh, and then this time I was like, "God damn it!" I, I fucking forgot about this. If you start with the really cool intro credits and like his, uh, the kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street Mm -hmm. montage cut straight into the them walking home from the Halloween party, that's perfectly serviceable, I guess, other than the fact that you don't get like the 
the, the meaningless backstory of a year previous uh, and her, this girl being the only survivor. But it's almost better if you took it out because she's like, you know, they they hint at the fact that he wasn't found at the morgue or whatever. And she's like, I, I know he was dead. Like, I know he was. They, right. just, they almost step on their own ending. They step on their own dicks in terms of the ending because then they just completely rehash that as their as the ending. And you can see it from a mile away. That's exactly what's going to fucking happen. Yeah. That beginning. Def- Take it out. Take it out. When that was happening, we were looking at each other and just kind of shaking our heads like, oh, man, what did, what did he get me into this time? It does get better from there, <laughs> fortunately. It's the it's the worst part of the movie other than, like, the cat lady. But, like, yeah. the beginning, it, it really doesn't draw you in as, as something that's something you want to watch. Yeah, and I will add, too, that the makeup that they uh, utilize for her, the reconstructive makeup, awful. It's a miss. There is no way anybody's face would look like that. Whether <laughs> whatever happened, it's a shame because all the other shit looks so good. The jack o' lantern yeah. face looks so like real. It, it's a it sucks that maybe they overthought it. They're like, we don't want her to make to look too fucked up because she went through like physical rehab, so we need to mm-hmm. make her look like you know somewhat healed. But it just looked. I don't even know how to explain. It just looked fucking terrible. Yeah, real bummer on that. So definitely, you know, we need to retcon this movie and just take that fucking aspect completely out. And somehow edit out the cat lady. Maybe Mike the Exterminator is talking to himself. Instead of, <laughs> instead of her. Yeah, because he's just let's just say like Mike the Exterminator of his own accord figures out that there's a killer on the loose and he just starts bugging out and he he refuses to believe himself. He re- he refuses to believe yeah, his so own he's talking senses. it out like in the, hall- <laughs> right? in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't it uh, fucking uh bid too much money for them to have Mike be listening to Killer on the Loose again by Thin Lizzie? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, that's to think of all the fucking ideas. Yeah. So those are, yeah, those are the main ones. I mean, the acting's horrible, with the exception of Art and Mike. The the they're the redeeming. I love the assets. pizza guys too. Actually, I think both yeah, pizza, the pizza guys. They just right. don't have yeah. a lot of screen time. Sure, sure. All right, I'll give you that too. The pizza guys are funny. I like them. Um, also, you know, I guess I like that part because I've worked in a lot of pizza places, and I I just immediately when I see things like that, I. I'm like, I sympathize with the characters. I'm like, I know what it's like to be in there. Have someone just smear shit all over the walls. Well, and that's another thing, too. I've worked in enough bars where there's been, you know, incidences, quote unquote, in bathrooms enough. Sure. I've had to be like one of the people, the reconnaissance that goes in there and cleans up the bodily fluids that get, you know, uh, sprayed all over the, the, the lav. Yeah, <laughs> my God. <laughs> so yes, I'll give you that. Uh, there is there are re- redeeming people, but so yeah, fifty fifty. Let's say fifty fifty. Half the cast does a really good job. Uh, definitely all for it, and then the other half, fuck them. Kill them all. <laughs> yeah, like we said, like the one, the bag lady, just completely unnecessary. Just doesn't even need to be there. No, it's um, not even, not even necessary. 
make maybe make those those ladies a little more sympathetic, like develop them a little bit more somehow. Like you said, I think Don is is like almost purposefully uh, grading. Sure. Right. Yeah. So Tara is just there, though. It's a real uh, Winona Ryder in uh, (laughs) Alien Resurrection performance. There's our recast. There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Step on our own dicks again. I was trying to think of it. I was like, who could we recast in this? I actually have another good one. But yeah, we'll get to that uh, soon enough. Um, So questionable. What what questions did you have? I had a couple myself. Well, I wanted to say one thing before we 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 definitely dive into this and and round this off is of everything we've watched, Pat. This is the most new metal. <laughs> I don't know. Hardware is up there. Oh my gosh! My ears, my ears. I I can't believe it. <laughs> Uh, okay, questions. No, go ahead. What do you, you have no, any, that was it. I just want to say any more. Uh, this is this. This is the most jump the fuck up clown. Obviously, clown shoe. Well, the clown shit. Yeah, is a real easy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if this is you know, if this is drowning pool, then hardware is at least like head PE or mushroom head oh or some my shit. Gosh. <laughs> you are killing me. Go back to Kokomo. Bermuda, <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining you like in the backyard of some shitty like shotgun house and in the middle of Kokomo in the backyard, like there's dog shit everywhere, like just sunning yourself in a lawn drinking chair out of like, a coconut. Yeah, drinking a tiki drink out of coconut, just <laughs> just like loving life. I'm home. Only it was it was that Kokomo song. Only it was me making air and take pictures of myself outside of Dahmer's grandmother's house. <laughs> and her being like too embarrassed like it's the shittiest picture ever I was like babe we gotta take it again like it was like had the fucking window in it cause she the car window she didn't want to take she didn't want to like even try she was like let's get the fuck <laughs> out of here I was like people stuff out here all the time I'm sure they're used to yeah. it come on <laughs> um, I don't know. okay so questionable uh, like I said I have a couple questions myself what kind of questions did you have um, very small question. Why would that lady, the blonde lady, even be listening to AM radio in her car? Who nope. gone? Yeah. <laughs> she's a she's an young people don't listen to AM radio. <laughs> she's a she see, that was their attempt at depth. She's uh, surprisingly an intellectual when she's well, not wasted. Right. I was like, well, what was, was she listening to conservative talk radio? Yes, was she listening yeah. is, was she listening to Art Bell? <laughs> what is she listening to on AM radio? She's definitely listening to some like Limbaugh <laughs> shit. Yeah. Some uh she's listening to some uh uh what is it, coast to coast with Art Bell. Like she's Oh yeah. I don't know. I was like that doesn't make any sense. That is but. strange. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I have no answer for that. That's a yeah. good question. <laughs> Doesn't match uh, her personality. Um, um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I had one. So this is another uh, knock on the script. The, you know, in an attempt to make Tara a little bit more of like a tough, you know, heroine, potential final girl. 
there's that scene where she's beating him over the head, beating Art over the head, and he's down, and she's just screaming at him, get the fuck out, get the fuck... No! Like, don't... Why are you attempting to bait the, the murderous clown? Kill him while he's down. Don't... Don't this isn't a royal rumble here. If this was actually happening, you'd be beating the shit out of him or whatever. You'd utilize everything in your power to make sure that, that motherfucker was smashed. Yeah, the 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 flight or fight instinct that she did no flight nor flight. <laughs> well, I guess nope. she was doing fight, but it just wasn't enough of it. Not enough. Not yeah. nearly. No, I feel like there was lots of opportunities in this movie where people are like walk away and just like, well, that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> right. But again, whatever. That is a whole. Yeah, that's a trophy. Yeah, that's that's in all these fucking movies. Yeah. So um, the question I had an anatomy question, mm. according to this movie, the human body consists of one large intestine. If we were to believe what is inside <laughs> of Dawn, right, which is just a <laughs> that's fucking bloody sausage link that fell out of her. There's like <laughs> no this movie. If you're going to show if you're going to do that, you already went that far. Just dump a buck like three buckets of pig guts all over the fucking floor. Yeah. Why was it just the one intestine? He's sawing <laughs> her down the middle. There's everything's gonna fall out of there. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why she was so vapid. She's just literally just a large intestine in encasing in a in a meat suit. That's <laughs> true. Just a, a pile of intestines that's, in a yeah. in a in a bimbo meat it's suit. A walking meat suit. That's true. <laughs> what it, I I could have used some comedy there. What if they just dropped like a fucking fetus out? Like she's one of those girls that didn't know she was pregnant kind of deals. <laughs> Boing! And Boing. It makes it sound. <laughs> that's a two for one right there. Throw, it'd be great that yeah, throw some canned laughter in those parts. Like <laughs> yeah, like some studio laugh, some studio claps. That'd be great. <laughs> Also, yeah. Mike's boss or coworker, or whoever exterminator guy number two is who gets the phone call uh, or whatever, he drives over in the middle of the night based solely on what would be a butt dial. Like if you got a call from a coworker and they said nothing on the other end and you were just like, hello, hello. Hello, and then you hung up, I wouldn't be like, I gotta go to the <laughs> I gotta go there. Something's wrong with Mike. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, Mike butt dialed me. I wouldn't be like, honey, I got to go. I'm grabbing the rat poison and I'm hopping in my van in the middle of the night. That guy went above and beyond. Yeah. Needlessly. I mean, that's why he's the boss, I guess. If he is, I don't know. Co-worker? I, I don't know. know what his status was other than to, they needed someone else to die. So, But to fix that scene, have Mike be like... Yo, there's some fucked up, and then like bop, like over the head, like right. He sentence interrupter, and then you're like, oh shit, some shit's going down at the old fucking Oxford Apartments or whatever. Yeah, simple as that. Um, I had a question in terms of casting as well. Did you also notice that? And whatever, I don't know if this was like an intentional choice by the director or casting department, but. Aside from Dawn, the blonde lady, did you notice that there was a a very striking similarity in all three of the other female cast members in this movie? They all... What, like Cat Lady, Tara, and Tara's sister? Yeah, which, okay, like, I get it, like, but, like, they all, like, legit look 
related. They were all they all looked like they were of Iranian descent or whatever. So I agree we, with uh, I think it's Vicky and yeah, Vicky and mm-hmm. the cat lady. But I feel yeah. like Tara and Vicky don't know that they, they don't are not look actually related, sisters. but the cat lady and, and Vicky look related. Yeah, I think like yeah. cat lady and Vicky could be mom and, and daughter. But I, yeah. when Tara was talking to Vicky, I was like, this is your like Iranian like sister. What the fuck's going on here? Right. <laughs> you are white as fuck. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that seems weird. But as we know, families are consisting of different people sometimes. Yeah. We have to embrace those differences. Embrace diversity. Okay, good. I'm glad we got <laughs> that out for our for our listening audience. Any other can, can you say hello in Iranian? Oh fuck. I do watch Shahs of Sunset religiously. I'm not sure I learned that one. <laughs> well work on say that it for in it. Greek and no one will know the difference. Yasu to all of our <laughs> <laughs> Iranian listeners. Um, uh, I don't know if I had any other questions. Did you? No, no more questions for me. Let me think. Let me think. Let me look. 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 No. Oh, no! I did have a question, <laughs> or at least a commentary on shitty friend slash sibling. Um, when Tara does call her sister for help, and her sister is just. She's pretty on the fence about helping somebody out. Now, if my friend called me in the middle of the night and I'm like, hey, I have a flat. Can you help me? I wouldn't sit there and prevaricate over it and be like, I don't know. You know, I got to get sleep. But yeah, I'll come help you out. Kind of dickhead just like says, nah, fuck you. You're on your own. I don't know. what the- <laughs> I'll be it. I'll be it. True. We do have to remember that Tara's phone died and she was calling from Don's phone. So I wouldn't have even picked up the phone if I saw Don calling. And then to double down on that, she's like, I want to help my sister. Fuck Don. <laughs> what, do right. I do? what the hell do I do here? That's but true. Yeah, you're, you're right, though. That, I, that is a good point. I, and the catalyst of her leave, she wouldn't. And she didn't have like a change of heart. She just didn't want her like roommate boning while she was like studying for midterm. She like was forcibly doing it. Yeah. But I just thought for that moment where she even, you know, had to think about it. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. shitty sister for sure. Bad sister. That's in the bad. Bad sister. Yeah. Double back <laughs> around to the bad. I knew you had more bad in you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a bad bitch. That's why you listen to George <laughs> Thorogood. <laughs> You're B2B. I'm a bad to the bone bitch. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. Look at me. Look at my booty. I'm a bad to the bone oh my bitch. God, I'm not sure that's what that is. That's a new theme song for next season. We're going to oh, open Lord. up every episode. I'm bad to the bone. I'm a bad booty, big booty bitch. I don't, I don't like that. That is some <laughs> head PE shit. <laughs> Well, there you go. Then, you know, next season, we're just going to watch hardware over and over and over oh, again. No. You just keep picking hardware. And I'm like, I guess I got to watch it. <laughs> what if I did it? Like, I'm like, I'm going to make Pat watch this over and over until he finally likes it. Yes, I love this movie. Yes, My Richard is Stanley. Everything. My, My good is, is nothing. everything. The red light is amazing. <laughs> it has great dramatic effect. I want all movies to be shot on video. <laughs> <laughs>
questionable we can move into our awards and category section starting with quotes this is not a highly quotable movie nope i, I literally put nope i have and one quotes. the emt to the coroner says how can you get a greasy croissant while you're cutting up dead bodies and he says something mm. about like once you've seen an eight month old microwave to death everything <laughs> else is just old hat i don't even know what old hat means, but I'm going to start using that. <laughs> you know, once you find a microwave baby in your old hat, you got to put it on your head. And there's no, oh, he's like the Yoko Ono of <laughs> foreigners. <laughs> there's no other way around it. You, I mean, you know, when you're handed with a dead baby, what other choices do you have? To, Everything but to else put it in a microwave or put it hat. on your head and wear it as a hat. I don't know. I'm an old timey coroner. Burp, burp, burp. All right, I'll go ahead and get you that croissant sandwich now. <laughs> well, thank you, you very say? much. Extra bacon on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> what like? I would love it if it cut to a scene later on where he he's he's like eating his croissant sandwich and he's just sitting there like oh. He's like working away at a body while he's like just mowling on his breakfast sandwich and it just like dumps into like the cavity and he's just like kind of looks around like anybody looking? You know, it's like the five minute on the ground rule, like in a kitchen, and he just like pulls it out. <laughs> just keeps going. I would love that. Still good. Yeah. Kind of wipes it off a little bit. Like a French dip. <laughs> the that reminds, French dip. That reminds me. Can I tell a joke real quick? This yeah. is like one of my favorite jokes. Okay, I'll try and make this quick. Um, so. A leper comes into a cafe and sits next to one of the patrons and, you know, whatever. They try and pay no mind due to the fact that the leper just sat down. Patron looks over to the leper and just kind of like goes, you know, starts making like these like, you know, sounds like they're about to throw up. And leper's like, hey, if I'm bothering you, I can like sit somewhere else. Not a big deal. Patron's like, no, no, it's okay. That's fine. Goes back to eating, looks over again. Patron starts, oh, oh, like they're like visibly about to, to like throw up. Leper's like, really? It's okay. I understand. I have a condition. You know, I can move somewhere else. Patron's like, no, really. I'm okay. Goes back to eating, looks over again. Oh, like the patron's like just about to lose their lunch right there at the counter. Leper's like, all right, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm clearly causing you revulsion and the patron says no it's not you it's the person beside you that is dipping their sandwich in the back of your neck (laughs) god i used to love telling people that joke i I totally forgot about it until right now anyways (laughs) that is a that's a wild one Carry on my friend i have a favorite joke like you do you just have like that one on the ready that's not my favorite joke. You want to hear my favorite joke? That wasn't it? Why did you pull no. that one out then? No, no, no. 
No, because it it, it kind of it met the oh, it fit the, know, the it fit the, the vibe. The, yeah, it fit the conversation. I get it. You want to hear my my favorite joke of all time? It's a quick one. I just told this one. Okay. Because I fucking hate Eric Clapton. Like I I find him like absolutely revolting as a person. <laughs> What's the difference between Eric Clapton's kid and a bag of coke? <laughs> I don't know. Eric Clapton wouldn't let a bag of coke fall out of a window. Oh, I have heard that one. <laughs> That one's good. So good. Because fuck do, Eric Clapton. I do like just like fuck Eric Clapton jokes. There you go. Yeah, Anyways. I don't have any, uh, I don't have any rebuttal jokes for you. <laughs> you, you know what's any- funny? <laughs> this is the shortest joke of all time. Feminism. <laughs> I got him again. Okay. Liptar, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Now that we owned the libtards, um, <laughs> will we get like picked up and distributed like Rush Limbaugh now? Yeah, we got it. We do have to pivot um, <laughs> to our uh, knee how to our conservative well, audience. Yes. Now that we are part of the CCP, uh, I don't know <laughs> what relegations are on podcasts in the communist uh, party, but um, I'm just letting everyone know that we are. We are up to snuff. <laughs> I just want to, yeah, I just want to let them all know that I am a big fan of Chairman Mao. So, yes. And know Chairman, where, where, Chairman Chan. Chairman Chan, <laughs> Chairman Mao. I'm not a big fan of Deng Xiaoping. I'll tell you guys that right now. But Chairman yeah, Mao. I'm not a fan A-okay. of that guy either, I guess. Okay. Anyways. Wow, we, we digressed quite a bit there. But no, we had but, some time but, to fill. Uh, uh, ching Cue the ching noises, because <laughs> I hear the money coming in now that we've really ingratiated ourselves to our Hong Kong listeners. Hong Kong dollars are just like, it's fallen out of a uh, a uh, a slot machine that just like went for we broke. Hit, yeah, we hit the big one. It's still, it's still falling out. I feel really bad for all the people that skipped the the police story episode and none mm-hmm. of these this is all just you'll have no context for this bunch whatsoever of sh- bunch of crap um okay <laughs> well best scene worst scene i feel like this is fairly obvious but the best yes. scene is dawn getting sawed in half right absolutely 100 percent. what's the worst scene any scene with that stupid crazy cat doll bag lady that I just put the opening sequence but i also agree with you <laughs> yeah i mean the opening sequence pretty fucking bad too i i guess like if i had to pick let me change my mind yes you're right that opening sequence can fuck off the dumber i hardly know her award for the most killer performance i mean david howard thornton is art right you know it buddy there's no, it's maybe, maybe let's shout out Mike, the exterminator. He was played by Matt McAllister. <laughs> but, I, I, okay. Yeah. To, to give a little diversity to the, uh, at, uh, acclamations here, because I just had art in both of our categories coming up. So let's say for Dahmer, hardly newer, Mike, the exterminator, and then proceed on to the next category, my friend. Yeah, well, the most obvious one of all time. The Michael Rooker Award, uh, who goes to the most evil fucker in the movie, is definitely Art. Close second, Dawn. <laughs> Close second, Dawn. Yep. <laughs> She's just bred to be like a, a Republican senator's wife. Uh, 
God, I, I, it was, I was so triggered by like so many things I've had to deal with in my life by having to witness that, that dumb fucking cunt. She is assuredly going to get set up in some sort of like Tupperware pyramid scheme with the neighborhood suburban neighbors. That is her future if it wasn't getting sawed in half. I mean, yeah, yes, her. Let's just say her her future as a trophy wife was cut down. Oh, full of jokes today. Where's the the fucking put on the slab? The recasting couch. Um, I had some interesting ones that cross kind of decades. So these individuals wouldn't be able to star in the or be in the same movie together. I just kind of slapped together a real weird recasting couch. But I thought Mm -hmm. Linnea Quigley as Dawn would be an upgrade. Everything would be an upgrade. 100%. 100% upgrade. Thank you for doing that. It's a Linnea Quigley role for sure. Yes. And and will be done to so much greater effect. Absolutely. Um, I just thought because she looked strikingly similar to her that a young ass Nev Campbell as Tara. Yeah, that would work, too. I also thought of uh, I actually didn't put it down, but I thought in my head. What is it? Uh, Shanna Sussman. Remember her? Mm-mm. She wow. was she was in. um what is it? The rules of engagement or rules of attraction. Sorry. And some other like 90s rom com type movies. We were thinking in the same pool. Like uh, we were thinking of like early 90s uh, actresses. Yeah. Shannon Sossaman. Shannon Sossaman. Or even again, shout out to my girl, Feruza Balk. Oh, for, yeah. I guess we could just. I like the idea of casting for the, this. This category next season we should just have a feruza bulk corner like can we can we shove feruza bulk into this movie <laughs> yeah i like that idea i'll put her in anything let's do that <laughs> yeah let's I, I i'm serious we should throw that into i'll put her in anything do you have any uh, uh would you have any potential recast for art the clown i mean this dude did a pretty good job but i think he did a phenomenal job i thought it'd be fucking hilarious if I put Polly Shore. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh God! Yeah, the talking would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I feel it's like pizza. <laughs> so I had a weird feeling though the whole time I was watching this movie. For some reason, the actors and actresses in this—they all reminded me of other people. Though I kept having this kind of weird sense that I knew these people from other movies and I obviously don't. I've never seen any of the, of the, of anything that any of these people have been other than this movie, but I kept having that kind of weird feeling. They have very familiar looking faces. I will say. Yeah. Mike, the exterminator definitely reminded me of someone else. I think it's because they're just like such like perfect background characters like they all are like that does that looks like an actual exterminator those people actually look like pizza people <laughs> like yeah they blend in so seamlessly sure okay um then straight into the wiki wormhole kicking it off with our body count um dead alive has the record currently at 87 this one's nowhere near it uh 
I counted six, seven right. if you count the coroner at the end, but you don't get a definitive answer as to whether or not the coroner dies. Sure, there's that, but also I thought about would Art technically be one of them? Because yes, he kills himself, but he he's also not dead. I don't count Art, so I have both girls, both pizza yeah. dudes, oh, both pizza exterminators. Dudes. Yeah, so that's six. Thank you. I don't know why I kept forgetting about the pizza guys. Thank you. Yeah, both of them get it. Um, this has not a ton of being a more recent movie. It doesn't have a a ton of background story to it. But as we alluded to earlier, the character of Art the Clown first appears in a 2008 short called The Ninth Circle, which Leon uh, wrote and directed. Leon later wrote and directed a short film, which was entitled Terrifier, hence your confusion, uh, which features art and was released in 2011. These shorts were then incorporated into a 2013 anthology horror film called All Hallows Eve, which I actually tried to watch last night, but couldn't find a workable copy of um which marks both art's first appearance uh in a feature film and leon's first feature directorial debut um interestingly enough in the ninth circle and in the short film terrifier and in all hollows eve i should say art was actually played by a guy named mike uh, gianelli But in the feature film, obviously, Art was portrayed by David Howard Thornton, who in his audition um, did an entire miming of a murder routine because he has mime experience. And that mime experience, I think, really pays off in the movie. And I'd be interested to see All Hallows Eve and see how the portrayals kind of differ. Yeah, I also would like to state that I think having experience as a mime or being in any way, uh, shape or form a professional mime at one point automatically makes you enough of a creep to play this role. Oh, God. Yeah, he (laughs) he didn't need the makeup. He could have just they just should have had him come in 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 street clothes and started doing miming. (laughs) You're it. You got the role. Yeah, the the trifecta of creep is miming, hacky sack, and the guy who brings a fucking guitar to a, a fucking party. <laughs> Stay yeah. away from the the Bermuda Triangle of of poisonous dudes. Yeah, the guy the guy who brings a guitar to the party and states that he is sex positive. Shit, <laughs> so am I, bro. I'm pro sex. <laughs> so put it down no one wants to hear the van hagar cover that you're no fucking one, trying to no do. one yeah no one wants to hear your ballad about sex positivity shit that is like a beavis and butthead like <laughs> lesbian seagull <laughs> oh yeah god um as we also mentioned earlier terrifier 2 is set to release this year is pushed back because of covid it was supposed to come out last year um, it blew through its initial crowdfunding goal of 50000 in less than three hours and has uh, to date raised $215,000, which uh, doubles the budget of the first film. So I'm interested to I will definitely check it out. Um, I don't have an actual release date as of yet, so I have no idea when that's coming out. But hopefully right around Halloween. That's when I would preferably like to watch it. <laughs> Um, 
The scene in the pizza restaurant was originally meant to take place in a burger restaurant, but Damien Leone changed this when he realized that both Jenna and Catherine, who play Tara and Don, are both vegetarian. So, which hey, shout out to my dude for respecting the vegetarians, my myself being one, but also just I mean, they could eat a veggie burger. Come on, dude. Where does this take place? Like yeah, I was like, wondering that myself. I can't tell, like, Jersey? Like, the pizza right. dudes seem like they're from, like, Jersey or some shit. Yeah, I was going to say it's either is somewhere East Coast, New York, New it's Jersey. It's got to be East Coast, because Mike also has, like, East Coast trash vibes. Or Chicago. Hmm. That's possible, although it does seem a little too sleepy. Yeah. Well, because I was going to say, if it's a greasy fucking burger joint, you know, in Jersey or whatever, I guess they mm. could get a, a nice house salad. <laughs> the ambulance that drives past Dawn as she listens to the radio broadcast in the car was totally unplanned. That was a real amb- ambulance that that drove by. Yeah. Should have just picked up Dawn in the, yep. in the just process. Just picked her up, take her out of that movie. Taking her out of the movie. <laughs> this is really interesting. The only case of CGI in this movie, the jack-o'-lantern that was shown in the pizza parlor is CGI. Director Damien Leone said he wanted the scene to have more of a Halloween feel to it. So he added it in post-production. See, that is what CGI is for. If it's just like the finishing touches on shit or like being like, ah, shit, I, for- I-, I meant to add more flair or this scene doesn't really come off as very Halloween-y. And we're obviously not going to reshoot. So I'll just put a fucking jack-o'-lantern in the window. Like, I was never the wiser to it. Yeah, I didn't either. That was crazy. When I read that, I was like, really? Wow. But yeah, of course, it should be in spots, you know, touch-up spots for posts that, you know, like you said, just kind of afterthought sort of things. It shouldn't be the primary focal point of any movie. So again, I... I will continually give hats off to my man for being committed to the craft of practical effects these days. So, yeah, good on him. Absolutely. The last bit of trivia, Catherine Corcoran, who plays Don, was filming Chuck and another horror movie during the making of this film, while Jenna Can- uh, Cannell, who uh, plays Tara, was also filming The Bye Bye Man. So I've seen the Bye Bye Man. If you if you wanted me to really put you through the ringer, we'd watch that. But uh, the production had the difficult task of working around uh, their shooting schedules for these other projects in order to film their scenes together. So the film ended up taking longer than normal because of it. Have you ever seen someone uh, made a meme, uh, a parody of the Bye Bye Man and Changes the name of it to the pee pee poo poo man. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> really I good. never don't think that's not funny. No, it's <laughs> the, great. The pee pee poo poo man. The only good thing about <laughs> Bye Bye Man is is uh, I believe Doug Jones plays the Bye Bye Man. Like, oh really? Yeah, yeah. So you got you got that going. Um, but other than that, I don't remember anything about it other than. Doug Jones's weird ass being the titular character. Without knowing a single thing about it other than that dumb fucking title, is it what, just a... Is it kind of a homage or stab at the Slender Man mythology? 
I feel like that's what it would um, be. No. It's like a it's like a real half ass like boogeyman kind of I don't know. Yeah. It's like these college friends that stumble across uh the origins of a yeah, so like a like a what do you call that? A, a urban myth. No. Creepy pasta. Creepy pasta. Creepy pasta. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a but like you said, like an urban myth or a creepy pasta of sorts. And all of those things tend to be like regional, like every region right. has kind of its own creepy pasta story. It's one of those. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> and I'll watch anything. And I watched the new Conjuring and I fucking loved it. No, fucking of course loved you did. It. I so keep seeing it good. pop up on my feed and I'm just like, fuck this series. Fuck these you movies. You hate it so much i <laughs> thought it was fucking phenomenal no i don't i don't i don't want to go on record as the, saying it was phenomenal it is uh i thought it was highly entertaining but it unravels quickly as it goes along and i also fuck the warrens i want to go on record as saying fuck the warrens <laughs> and fuck like christian superhero crap like i fucking that that shit drives me nuts but not nuts enough to not enjoy a movie like that that's what does it for me for that series. I mean, because I saw the first one in the theaters and yeah, the the Christian interventionism of it and just, you know, you know, whatever, not putting that aspect of it through a critical lens, but more of like, you know, they're actually they are there to be the saviors that really fucking grinds my gears about that whole uh, franchise. But I will say this conceptually, I just thought of what we need to do maybe in the future. I don't know how we would do this, but we just need to do a tit for tat of each respective kind of uh, shit horror movie that you and I both respectively don't like and like just throw them at each other. So you make me sit through all the fucking conjurings and I'll make you sit through whatever slew of shitty grindhouse <laughs> thanks killing thanks killing two thanks killing three <laughs> and then we'll see like how we how we fare coming out of it <laughs> i don't know why we would want to actually fucking torture each other but yeah so maybe, maybe maybe there's something behind it or shits and giggles well to rate this movie let's come up with some iconography um just out of uh, out of a I'm trying to describe Don's corpse cut in half in a in a way that it can be like an iconography of sorts. Just yeah, five bloody butchered Dons. <laughs> yeah, out of five dildo AM radio listening Dons, five piles of large intestines. I actually had. Uh, out of five tiny blood splattered clown hats, hmm, tiny little hats. Okay, out of tiny, out of five tiny little hats. What would you give this? I gave this a two out of five. This is the lowest rating I've given any movie it on is. this. You weren't as you weren't as rough on it um, through the critique to make me think it warranted a two. Because the thing is, there isn't a whole lot of just like nitpicky. Yeah, it's just bad. a like or dislike thing. Yeah, you know, the acting's bad, the script sucks, you know, so it's like there's these fundamentals that, but that's a thing though. Here's my thing. The thing is, and this is my thing, 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 thing. Dear um, Lord. I hope we're watching <laughs> the thing next week. 
<laughs> oh, that'd be sick. Actually, we're not, but um, I don't really think it fits the criteria. No, no, it's 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 above and beyond our criteria. Um, so you know, because I love slashers, and I it's well documented that I love the shittiest of shitty things. Uh, I get you know why you know, there's certain fundamental criteria that these movies, they don't need to meet to make them good, obviously. So that's why I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be, you know, someone that has a stick up my ass about those things because then I'd be cutting off my own dick. You know, when I talk about things from the 60s, 70s and 80s that have the same attributes, Mm. of course. So yeah, you know, my thing is I'm just more reluctant to dive headlong into a movie of this sort that's made in this day and age, you know, because it's really got to be something special if it's going to utilize these same kind of tropes these days, these days for me to, to fall head over heels for it. You know what I mean? So like for it's, this is what I said, because my partner thought this movie was a complete piece of shit. I was a little more forgiving about it. I'm like, yeah, it's a piece of shit, but and this is what some of the, you know, the major critical reviews about it were is it does it's it's serve it's serviceable as a slasher. It does its intended purpose quite effectively, actually. So like the the core of what makes a slasher fun and cool, this does just fine. It just needs to like cut some of the fat. It needs to trim some of the fat to really elevate it to being like a super like good representation of the genre. Like we've already said, take out that beginning part, fuck that beginning part, make that makeup better on that lady. If you're going to show her posts, getting her face eaten off, make the act, make the dialogue a little more snappy, you know, tighten up the acting. There you go. It's like he wasn't up to task to turn him short into a full length because all the things we're talking about suddenly make this a short exactly and (laughs) i had that thought i was like this would have been a perfect short and now i'm really curious to watch the all hallows eve shit because it's the all the shorts that he had come up with up to that point so maybe in a in a smaller package this is this is more fun even more fun i think i think so i agree yeah but having said that i i give it a three out of five yeah. Yeah. Very well. I mean, and again, that makes that tracks because you have more, you know, you have a history with this. You saw it closer to when it came out. So, you know, maybe it had more of an impact. I'm seeing it now five years down the road. You know, whatever. I think you would have thought the same thing five years ago. Probably. More than likely. But who knows? More than likely. Okay. Okay. So oh, we're we're on the midnight clock. We have to drag that fucking category. <laughs> we're gonna kicking and screaming. It's the friend uh, that that you don't want to bring out and that always embarrasses you and gets you kicked out of places. You keep dragging them along. It's the sex positive uh, guitar wielding hippie. It's the sex positive guitar bringer to a party or category. I'm gonna say three a.m. I feel yeah. like it's gonna be three. late. Yeah, because there's some pretty choice gore I, just for that that the scene. Of, scene alone, alone is yeah, pretty brutal. This isn't even like you catch it. You caught it on TV. This is like three in the morning, and you're you're scrolling through Netflix, and you catch the like the the art iconography, you know, and you're like, ah, I guess I'll just watch some creepy clown shit and go to sleep. 
<laughs> Lull myself to sleep with the creepy clown. <laughs> okay, well, what's on uh, the next episode? Well, I am Adam's excited. Choice. I'm excited to present this. I feel like I am definitely I'm testing the edges of what we classify as midnight flicks with this for sure. Mm. But I feel like it's cultish enough that we can talk about it. And it's going to bring a first to the pod, which a much needed first that we've long awaited, I think, to to have a discussion about um, this person uh, in a movie. But and also. I feel like because we're we're in we're entering the home stretch here. Uh, this is the uh, penultimate of my movies that I'll be presenting. I have two more, and then you have two more, right? Something like that. I have three more, and you have two more. Okay. This will be a good palate cleanser for all of the weird gore, drenched, spazoid grindhouse, lo-fi-ness of all these movies we've been watching. We're going to watch Valley Girl. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about Valley Girl. Yeah, our first... We're going to we're talk about our boy Nick Cage. Yeah. Nick Coppola. Nicholas Coppola. Which is how we should <laughs> refer to him. Yeah, I was just uh, telling a friend that we hadn't done a rom-com at all. And mm. that it probably would have to wait till next season. So here we are. Here we are. I'm bringing it. I just it it it, cramped, it came across my mind. You know, it actually wasn't in my initial list, and I was like, you know what though, I really like that movie a lot. I haven't watched it in a while. I used to watch it pretty frequently, and I feel I like I haven't it'd be good... seen it in. No, oh, I don't even remember anything about it. Really? Yeah, I've seen it, but I it's been a long, long time. I know why I thought of it. So the reason why it came up was because um, in one of my viewing, just kind of background viewings of just like movies that I'll just pick and just kind of let roll on doing other things. There was a movie. It was a Wes Craven uh, adapted for television horror movie, which I'm drawing a blank on its name right now, but it has Linda Blair in it. It actually seemed like it was a pretty good movie if I would have paid more attention to it. But one of the actresses in it, it, she plays the one of the moms in Valley Girl, and she plays, to me, one of the best roles in Valley Girl for reasons that we'll talk about next week, of course. I'm drawing a blank on the actress's name, too, so I'm not doing a very good job Stranger here. Stranger in Our House is Thank what you. you're talking about. Stranger in Our House, and the actress is... Lee Purcell? There you go. Lee Purcell. So Lee Purcell is also in Valley Girl. So while I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, Valley Girl. Man, I love that movie, and I love her in Valley Girl, so... Fuck it. I'm just going to talk about it. I think it's, it's a great choice. Yeah. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Fuck it. So there we go. Great. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music, appropriately enough, is brought to you by Pig Destroyer with their album Terrifier. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next week.
totally tubular, bruh. Gonna see you at the mall. Yeah, like gag me with a spoon. <laughs>